We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I'm going to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. Almost eight years ago, when I decided to have my own radio talk show, I had been involved in founding my own research center and studying the face of water on Earth and the power of it and how important it is and that we'd left it behind. Um, it, it, it's something that we've taken for granted for so long because it, all of us, life began with the water because water was here before we were here. There's a power in the water. There's a life in the water. It's a living organism. We cannot leave fresh water behind. It's vital. Your body is made up of 50 trillion cells. And if you remember, I've had on my show a Nobel Prize winner. The doctor said there is water in that molecule, in the cell. Okay, we've now proven, he got a Nobel Prize, proving it stays there. And we must learn how important water is to our everyday health and life and the health of the planet the health of the universe. I'm not going to say much more today. I'll save it until the end of my commentary, until the end of the show, because we have a very special lady today, person, going to be on our show today, Joni James Aldrich. Joni is a talk show host, but Joni has given her life to all life on earth to deal with battling with the disease of, uh, of cancer. I need to tell the world, I used to be president of the American Cancer Society many years ago. I was president for almost 10 years, and do I understand what Jody has gone through. She lost her husband. But since then, she's decided to do what is so important, take the earth by her own hands and her faith and go forward and teach health education and understanding what that cancer word means she's written books she's dedicated her time she is is a perfect example of the earth whispering what i always say at the end of the show earth whispers don't take it with you Joni is leaving so much behind Joni, are you with us yes thank you so much for those wonderful words we're going to listen to our sponsor first, and then we're going to dive in to the time you have available today, because I know you don't have as much time as we usually give. Joni, we're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll, Nature's Here's Imus, and we'll be right back, and you're going to teach us what you've been learning. Um, we'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Joni James Aldrich. <laughs>
listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Joni, uh, thank you for joining us today. I, uh, when I was reading about your story and your dedication to this hope, I, I, I have a tendency because I study water, I look at all the planet Earth with living with the solar system of the universe. You have given yourself uh, your whole life. Then when you found out about your own husband, your partner, your soulmate, having been diagnosed with cancer and since passed away, but you've given your life. to whis- I-, I say at the end of the show, Joni, Earth is whispering. Don't take it all with you. Leave something behind. And, Joni, you're doing that. Tell us about yourself, and then we'll find. And then tell us about what the the day you found out your husband had cancer. Well, you know, it's interesting, Sharon, because um, I am on a path of divine intervention, truthfully, and I know that um, that is certainly a big part of this. Um, there's no, I, I truly believe that there are no coincidences in, in our life. We are born, we have these innate things that we do all of our life, and then they converge. Um, and so I have been through experiences that, unfortunately, a lot of people go through, 4,000 people every single day. In our country, I know you know the numbers because you work for the American Cancer Society uh, or work with them, are diagnosed, and that's only in the United States. Now, when I look at those numbers, and I realize them now, and I know these things because I was a financial analyst, believe it or not, before I went on this journey, um, and that's part of, you know, the earth coming back to you, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that, but... Um, 4,000 people every single day in this country hear the words, you have cancer. Now, that's on average. Some you know, and excuse me, you're a radio talk show host, but I have a tendency to stop people when they say something before we go too far that I think okay. the audience might be thinking. Um, you know, it, I, I, you know, Joni, I don't know how old you are. I'm 71 years old. And I've been in healthcare uh, almost all my life. I grew up... As a child, we were very concerned about um, polio, our our country, and what do we do in all the schools? We had these huge polio drives competing each other. 
against all the high schools, and then we we were able to to, to raise enough money to go uh, battle uh, polio. Um, I often wondered. I was president of the American Cancer Society here in Southern Oregon in my area for many years, from the time I was 25 years old for 10 years in a row, and I, I was elected the state board of health for them for education purposes representing several counties here, I often wondered in my heart and in my mind, what are we doing wrong that we don't figure out the word cancer? And they always say, well, be proactive. But there's a lot of people that you, you don't get any symptoms. You don't get any warning. You, you, you have this diagnosis of cancer and it maybe is something that is unknown and we still haven't conquered it in research. So, uh, when you said that, all I could think about is we've got to figure that out. And the money, the multi-millions and millions and millions of dollars that's going into studying to help it out. So when you're now very much involved uh, with your husband having had it diagnosed, tell us about the day that you had all these things going for your in your life, both of you. And, oh, by the way, what did he do? What was his choice of his occupation? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And, of course, he was, in, he was a sales manager, and he mm-hmm. loved his job, and this uh-huh. is what he did. But, mm-hmm. you know, being that extrovert, um, going back to the day of diagnosis, the interesting thing that happened was he turned into a cancer introvert because he really didn't want to um, take hold of that. He didn't want to face it. He didn't want to, uh, I mean, it's like mortality is suddenly in your face. And while I didn't want to either, you know, someone had to kind of move ahead. And the, the bottom line is, and these people that are diagnosed today and every single day in this country and all over the world, they're not, for the most part, they're novices. They don't know what to do, and that's the that's part and parcel of the purpose of my work because, unfortunately, what we did, what we did not realize was that every person diagnosed and their family and their extended family and their friends will have to make a lot of decisions quickly. You tend to think, oh, that's the oncologist that's going to do it or that's my professional care team. No, it's not. You're right. Unfortunately, with cancer, that is not... Joni, you hit it right on. I have said, and my medical team all over the country, surgeons have said, you are going to say to the audience, you've become a manager of helping the patient, the family member, or whoever you've been assigned to. You become a manager for them because they will not be able to manage that. It's impossible when you're sick. And you're exactly right. Unfortunately, cancer is not like a disease such as heart disease where a doctor's going to come and sit in the room with you and look at you and say, oh, you need a pacemaker. And if you go to 20 doctors, they're all going to look at you and they're going to say, oh, you need a pacemaker. You know, cancer is not that kind of disease. And what your decisions are going to be very much depends on where you live, what your status is, um, what your general health is, what your age is, 
um, you know, do you have a great cancer facility? And, and for the most part, and the thing that really tripped Gordon and I up when he was diagnosed was, is your cancer a well-known cancer? Can it be treated at most facilities, such as breast cancer? We're getting very good at treating breast cancer. Or is it a rare cancer? And unfortunately, half of those people diagnosed today are going to have a rarer form of cancer. So I bet you, you found out that half of those 4,000 people a day are going to be, which would be about 2,000 estimated people, are going to have a rare cancer. Exactly. And when I say rare cancer, the four big ones obviously are colon, lung, breast, and prostate, not in that order. You start with lung. And unfortunately, I could talk a fair amount about that because I lost my mother several years ago. Uh, to lung cancer, and so that topic is obviously near and dear to my heart, and I'm an advocate for lung cancer research. Well, I am, uh, too. I'm, well, I'm, I'm an advocate and put millions of dollars behind dehydration research, God. which I have said that lung, the, we have not overlooked the lungs because of the moisture level and the problems of, of, of the lungs. How many times have you known a person who went to the hospital with something else that Pat, got pneumonia and died wasn't Mm -hmm. what they got there for and you're right there's so much to be learned now your husband I'm going to ask you because I have had a little bit of experience um, with this did your husband had he gone to the doctor with any complaints prior to that my husband's um, cancer was multiple myeloma, which is a blood-borne cancer that eats your bones from the inside out. And his, mm-hmm. unfortunately, started in his spine, mm-hmm. in his central nervous system with a tumor. And he had uh, severe back pain, basically. And he would go to the doctor, and the doctor would send him to a chiropractor or a masseuse or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. And, then and this is why I'm getting into this, Joni, because mm-hmm. people listening... You know, we think that our sometimes our complaints are uh, we do, we don't we want to figure them out, and um, so he had gone to the doctor, and uh, the doctors were not recognizing the the symptoms of what they were. Now, and I hear stories as I'm sure you do quite a bit of misdiagnosis, and his worst, I think, was at the hospital, at the a teaching university hospital that we went to the emergency room because his pain was so bad. And if you had known my husband, you would have known how hard that was for him mm-hmm. to do. And they misdiagnosed him with shingles with, with no rash. Yeah. This is what I was after a little bit. I thought maybe the audience needs to realize that what we have to learn to do is manage ourselves also our everyday. When we go to the doctor, we're in charge. We have to take our books with us, our notebooks, and talk to the doctor like that's an employee to us. Um, and what you found out is the misdiagnosis. Now, I'll tell you a quick story and we'll move on with yours. Many, many, many years ago, I was founder of our hospital auxiliary here in town. And I had a woman in there who was an older woman, very just a neat lady. Everybody adored her. And uh, her name was Jean Lovejoy. And Jean had been going to the doctor for a lot of different uh, symptoms. And then all of a sudden she called me one day and she said, Sharon, I was misdiagnosed. I have cancer and he's given me three months to live. And I said, oh. I said, and then I kind of handled it kind of cool. And I said, well, now, I mean, calm. And I said, Jean, 
Uh, and she said, but I've got something I want to give you because I'm having all my family over and we're going to talk about this. But I want something for you to have. And I said, Jean, you go back and you fire the doctor. You tell the family to stay away and you get a new doctor and you decide to fight this. Well, she started what's called Make Today Count. And she fought it until her husband passed away and she lived years longer. And uh, I love your book that you have out there called uh, "When uh, the Cancer Patient Win" and book. And but now we're going to go on with what you were going to teach us today. But this is something that I was concerned about. What you were, I was afraid you might tell us that there was this misdiagnosis. Um, what do you say to people listening when they're going to the doctor with a complaint? And we don't want to be over-complaining. We don't want to be, uh, you know, we want to be, go in and get an answer if we've had a, something that we don't feel good about for quite a while. What is your, what is your, not, what have you been learning to teach people? How quickly should they go to the doctor? And then if they don't get a satisfactory uh, report that they're not quite sure, they go find another doctor and get a second opinion. What is your thinking on that? Oh, uh, second opinions uh, and different varying opinions, particularly from the experts, and it depends on who you get them from, too, and that's part of the WIN method, um, are extremely important. But the, the number one thing is to listen to your body. Um, understand your body. Pay attention to your body. Um, and part of that is being still and listening because your brain, just like pain, pain is one thing that I've studied quite a bit because my husband was in a great deal of it. Um, but, you know, basically we all have pain. We all have things going on in our body all the time. Our brain filters all of that out. And, and you really, really have to make a conscious effort to say, ooh, what is that? Don't ignore that lump. And by all means, and I have a very, very dear friend going through stage 4 colon cancer uh, treatment right now. Thank God she's doing pretty well. But she never had a colonoscopy. Do your screening. Very important because, as you well know, the earlier you can find it, the better. But if you go to a doctor, and just like with my husband, eventually he said, stop, because we have to know what this is. I am in excruciating pain. I want something done now. And finally, unfortunately, doctors uh, don't like to jump into MRIs or CT scans or x-rays. They have, you know, they're overworked as well, and they don't like to jump in that stuff. It takes planning time and what have you. But anyway, um, he begged, and they did the MRI, and they found a tumor in his spinal column that was compressing his spinal cord. It was a, myelo- a myelo- multiple myeloma tumor, which is fairly rare most of the time. It presents itself with bro- broken bones. And then they turned around. You talk about advocacy. Then they turned around and said, oh, we can't see him. They didn't know at the time it was cancer, but they did know he was in extreme, extreme pain. He had this tumor on his spinal column. The best we can do is two months. Well, that's where I came in <laughs> because I didn't accept that. And I started, I started, um, this is why we talk about being empowered, involved, and alert. 
Um, my husband was in the other room in excruciating pain. Here they were telling me that, you know, it was going to be two months before the first doctor could see him. I was on the phone with human resources manager who headed the insurance department with Gordon's company saying, help me, tell me, what should I do? Calling this person, that person. I was a novice. I didn't know the right mm-hmm. people to talk to. Mm-hmm. I do now, but I didn't then. Um, but finally the consensus came down that, we needed to do something right away. And so I went and got his report. We went to that local university hospital again, teaching hospital again, with his results in hand, went in. They gave him something to reduce his pain. The doctor came in, picked up his results, went back into the other room, walked back into the exam room with my husband and looked at him and said, Mr. Aldrich, can you walk? That's how bad the tumor was, that they mm-hmm. didn't want to see him for two months. Mm-hmm. It was, she was shocked. That I've heard of these get stories. Out of bed I, and and by the way, I'm going to be open. I've been in the healthcare side of my world for, since my 20s. The Obama, I, I don't, this new national healthcare is going to make it worse, the waiting time. Uh, I was talking to some different countries of, and doctors and different patients, uh, people that live in their countries with socialized called medicine. And their wait sometimes can be a year. Mm. And that's why the United States has been, uh, so many people from all over the world come here because they can get treated quicker uh, um, results. Now, two months is not acceptable. And uh, university hospitals are also known to be every two weeks you've got a new doctor. You don't always get the same doctor. So I'm not always convinced that mm-hmm. those university hospitals are the best way to go because they're, they're schooling hospitals, and even though they have the best doctors available, there's a new, they're, they're, they have a new doctor every two weeks sometimes. So what happened then? Did uh, you finally got what you, the attention you needed, and how long did it take to find, did you finally take to, for you to get into the, to see the right doctor? Well, in actuality, we saw the head of the neurosurgery department that following Wednesday. So we were Good very, very blessed. Mm-hmm. Now, they sent me home that night with, um, they said, you know, if he shows any signs of losing his ability to walk, call us right then. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's very comforting. First of all, you, you just learned this this day, yeah. and your life has suddenly become a check and balance system, uh, you know, and, by, oh, by the way, if he starts to show any signs of paralysis, come back. Um, yeah. Now, to your point, um, the neurosurgeon that operated on him was tremendous. Unfortunately, we made a mistake because we chose that facility for their cancer treatment. And his type of cancer, Gordon's type of cancer, was rare. We came home. We did what we thought was right. We went and researched and looked around the web, um, found the Multiple Myeloma Institute in Little Rock, Arkansas, that specializes in multiple myeloma, um, went in to visit with his oncologist the first time after his surgery and his diagnosis and uh, asked him about it. And he said, I've never seen anything good come out of Little Rock, Arkansas. The moment that man said that, he sent Gordon on a death spiral. 
because then they tried to treat him with standard treatment. After five months of treatment, he was three times worse than when he was diagnosed. And by the time we did get him to Little Rock, very fine facility out there, they had to put him in the hospital because he had over 200 tumors growing in his bones and out of his skin. And we could just never get a hold of the cancer after that. Now, is this something they detected as they were going along, that there was more to the cancer than they detected from the beginning? Or did the tumors begin to grow quite rapidly? Well, they did grow rapidly. I mean, he was actually under treatment, and we kept asking his doctor, his oncologist, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? Why isn't this working? And he kept saying, you got to give it time. you got to give it time. I would, every time I, I never felt comfortable, and this is why people have to listen to their base instincts and be their own advocate. Well, and you're saying that people need to be very firm about how they're taking care of their their friend or their family member that that the medical field are like everything else on this planet globe they have a lot of other things on their mind mm-hmm. they come to work um every day with their own life on their minds mm-hmm. more than ever in history Joni we're having them go to the website and doing texting or emailing and and looking for their vacations and in between there because they're busy. Mm-hmm. And, and the communications and the distractions, I'll call it distraction, they're not concentrating on focusing on the moment. So we outside, we have to realize, and I'm known for saying this, uh, you demand. And you're saying, too, that people have to learn to demand for what they're after. Demand for the uh, for the information. Demand to not be held back and and time to get out out of control. And demand education about the medication and and what you're taking. Demand all that information about it, so you begin to understand what it's all about. So you can then help the individual and yourself on why this is being described to be the medication or whatever it is. We need to demand. Exactly, and it doesn't mean that you have to be a bad person to no, do that. No, you're not a bad person. It's life. It, it means <laughs> that you have to be an advocate for your own self because you're right. Unfortunately, oncologists are overworked, and they have you know many, many other patients that come in and out every day. Have I forgiven this part, this doctor that um, called me finally, called me on Thanksgiving of 2004, and my husband wasn't even there, and he said, he called me at work. He said, um, I don't know what to do about your husband's cancer. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, that's a wonderful thing to say. Uh, well, should we make that trek out to Little Rock, Arkansas? Uh, you might auto well, it can still travel. It's a salvage operation. Now, you had to go how many miles to keep the treatment going? 800. 800 miles. How, how often? Uh, we stayed out there basically for almost a couple of years straight. I mean, mm-hmm. we would come back into our home, and they would um, they would give his treatments here. But most of the treatment... I didn't want to be done here. As a matter of fact, when we called out 
to the Milam Institute, I didn't want just any oncologist either. I had the head of research Mm -hmm. that was Gordon's oncologist. Mm -hmm. And they gave him, by the way, to show you the difference, that five months of standard treatment for his very, very aggressive form of multiple myeloma that did not do anything, that in in fact his body was just making more tumors, making more tumors. They gave him one course of chemotherapy in Little Rock, and now that wasn't all to it. He had three outpatient stem cell transplants, and within two weeks, all of those 200 tumors were gone. That's the difference between good treatment, treatment that works for you, and treatment that does not work for you. And that's the difference between facilities. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been involved long enough um, as a, as for what I do, and it just takes your breath away with what you just said. Um, I, I will share with you real quickly, my brother, who was my my soulmate, my closest friend in my life, I'm happily married, love, madly in love with my husband. We're going to be married for until he's 50 years this summer. But my brother and I were close, and he, Ronnie and I were very close, and he was diagnosed with lymphoma. lymphoma. And he went to Sloan Kettering, and they he got they got it in remission, and he moved to the West Coast, and about five minutes from us here, and and he got it back again, and he went to try to get he wanted to get rid of it again, and again they got it in remission, and they decided to have a stem cell transplant, and because it might help. And lo and behold, uh, he went to uh, a university hospital in Palo Alto, and uh, they made a mistake with the stem cell transplant, and he died. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, and when I went into the hospital with my family, my sister-in-law, I said, well, let's call consultants in from around the country. I have some availability. And, and they said there at that hospital, no, we have everything you need. You don't need those consultants. Well, come to find out, the day I flew in was the day they made the mistake. And nobody figured it out for five weeks. Mm-hmm. And he was sedated and he couldn't even talk to us for five weeks and he passed away that way. So we know that there's a lot of mistakes being made. And with the family, you're like yourself, is at the mercy of what is, what is going on with the treatment. I have said this, you're saying it, I believe, You've got to be in control at all times, and, and it becomes a full-time management job to keep up with what might be mistakes and what they're doing and how they're explaining their treatment. Because if you don't understand it and they don't care, it seem to give you enough time, you'll not know how to manage. And in fact, you know, that is exactly what I'm saying, and it goes a little deeper than that is it almost becomes a point where don't expect them to be the expert until they're proven to be the expert. And, you know, when you turn your treatment over to a doctor, any doctor, not just oncologist, you are saying, here is my life in your hands. And you have to know that that doctor is first of all going to take care in that and second of all knows what to do with it and part of the reason that's part of the reason that I created what I call the WIN method it's in the saving of Gordon lifelines to WIN WIN against cancer 
And I'm going to give your listeners... Uh, can I, I... we got to take a break. Mm-hmm. It's the only time we'll have our sponsor come on, okay. and then we'll come back, Tony, until okay. the, with the time you have left. We're going to listen okay. to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Did you know your eyes at the surface are 98% water? At the surface, what is vision impairment? What is dry eye? Lack of natural water, loss of natural water. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. 100% water mist, tissue culture grade water with just a mist. And we'll be right back with Joni Aldrich. Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Joni, uh, before we begin on this next segment, I had a person tell me, it was one of my our employees, and he's had to take a leave because he's not doing well. And he came back one day, and he was sitting there talking to me, and he said, because I asked him how he was doing, and he said he was just really upset with the doctor not being able to do something. And I said to him, I said, well, remember, your doctor isn't God. God is in you, and you have to be the one to tell the doctor what you want and what you need, and you stay on top of that. Don't, and the doctor is there to service you. Now, you've learned that the hard way, too, because you were trying giving it your all. And uh, you couldn't have given any more, Joni. You gave it your 100%, 1,000%. But what is it you were going to tell us just before our moment there, our break? There's a list of things you want us to hear. Yes, actually, the Saving of Gordon Lifelines to Win Against Cancer, WIN, is my first book. And it was, um, I did a year and a half worth of, worth of research before I ever published that book. And what I tried to do in The Saving of Gordon, and have been told that I did very effectively, is do take some of the guesswork out of the research that you need to do when you're diagnosed with cancer. And one of the pivotal chapters in that book is the WIN method. And I'm going to give um, your listeners, and again, this is through almost 260 radio programs as well on specifically cancer, so I've obviously learned a lot along the way. Um, but W is for web research. Now, there's wonderful sites out there. Liz Strong is tremendous 
American Cancer Society has a tremendous amount of information. Obviously, you need to focus as well on your particular cancer type. One of the things that shocked me when I was doing my research for the saving of Gordon was I wanted to find out how can you find out the question that kept coming to my mind is if I have cancer A, how can I find out who is the number one facility in the United States that can treat cancer A? And I never found a tremendous answer, but what I did find is if your listeners go to the American College of Surgeons Cancer Programs webpage, I, I use this Every time somebody comes to me... Now, and repeat that. that again, Joni. What was it called? American College of Surgeons Cancer Programs. And it's actually um, datalinks.facts.org. And basically, there is a locator there that you can go in and you can put a, a zip code, city, a state, and you can search within 50 miles of any zip code the detailed facility listing for cancer programs, cancer centers. You can go to the detailed facility list, and it will show you by within 50 miles of whatever area code you gave it, or 5 or 10 or whatever you want to do, all of the cancer centers within your area, and here is key, there is an annual caseload file. You click on annual caseload, and it will show you by every different type of cancer how many cases that facility treats on a yearly basis of that type of cancer by stage. It's a tremendous tool. Right. Yeah, right. And, and so you're right. I can't emphasize to the listeners that when you think there's something wrong before you've gotten to the doctor, uh, go in and study and start a logbook of what you've what you what you've been learning about yourself, uh, what the what the ailments are, what the symptoms, what the complaints are, what you're eating, what you're not eating, uh, how much water are you drinking a day? Eight to ten glasses of water, you better be uh, fresh water with no added ingredients. And uh, are you on any other medications? What vitamin supplements? Are you walking? Are you talk, uh, What are you doing every day? How are you sleeping? So that they can prepare uh, a journal that when they do finally decide they're going to make their appointment, they go in with their own uh, Health Olympics business plan, I call it. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to um, going on there. Uh, go for it. the internet is unbelievable, Joni. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's just beyond all imagination what we can learn. But and anyway, I'm sorry of, to interrupt you. That, that's okay. I got a lot of people come to me and say I have such and such type of cancer. Even when my mother was diagnosed with lung cancer, even though I thought I knew the answer, I still went to this hospital locator, and I still looked up annual caseloads because mm-hmm. it can be very surprising. It can be very surprising what the results are. Well, and okay, every day, that, Joni, it has to be updating every day. It's, so it's when you pretty, said you thought you had an answer, but you have to go back and, and check it every day through the mm-hmm. day to see if there's something new. Well, the great thing about this database is it doesn't have to update daily. It updates yearly because uh-huh. they're actually looking at how many cases this treatment center uh-huh. treats per year. Okay. okay. 
Now, that's only one thing. I actually interviewed a gentleman that has a website called Cancer Monthly, um, and I highly recommend this website, cancermonthly.com. This is Honest Answers, and this man had lost his two-year-old child to cancer at a hospital that was a children's hospital that, you know, a very large children's hospital. They were giving him chemotherapy, lost him during chemotherapy because they come to find out he was a lawyer and come to find out that that type of chemotherapy had never been used on an adult, much less a child. And so obviously he started this website, Cancer Monthly. It's free. You do have to sign up because they have some information, some in-depth, information mm-hmm. on there, but mm-hmm. it's completely free. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great force. Then, so that's W. Those are a couple of hints in W. Joni? Yes, I'm here. Yes, you were saying that um, that the two-year-old child, that the family were, had all the confidence in the treatment of the medical staff in the hospital, the center, and then all of a sudden the, the child died, and then they mm-hmm. found out that later on, that, that nobody had ever had that treatment, let alone a, a two-year-old child. Exactly. exactly. And see, this is what you're saying to teach us all today, is we all, I don't care who we are, you could be a doctor who's a scientist, you could be a, a surgeon yourself, or in research, whatever, but you've always got to be on top of what everybody's doing, and don't take it for granted you really believe you know what they're doing. Exactly, and the, that brings me to I, and I and when is interrogate, and that is um, you can actually go, as you well know, to the American yeah. Cancer Society, National yeah. Cancer Institute, American right. Col- um, Society of Cancer on- Clinical Oncologists, and you can pull up a list of questions by any particular cancer type mm-hmm. and to ask your doctor when you go in, and Ask them the pointed question. Don't be Mr. Nice Guy. This person is don't be, going to yeah, have don't win a popularity contest. Yeah. This right. person is going to I don't care about their bedside manner. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite sayings is I don't care about their bedside manner so much if they'll just keep me out of bed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, interrogate them. Say to them, How many cases of my type of cancer have you treated in this year? And if there, you don't like the answer. Say, well, is there anybody else at this facility or anywhere in the area that has treated more cases? And if not, if they say no, then outside of the area. Right. So again, keep pulling the because your first oncologist is very, very likely not going to be your last oncologist because you really need an experience. Experience matters. Knowledge is key. Right. Um, and then the end. Well, and then, you know, Joni, I teach that for every day. If you go in and buy vitamins, I don't care who you are, mm-hmm. get somebody in that department that understands what you're buying and which brand. And, and I have been known to do this. I'll turn to the person and say, how long have you been doing this? If they have only been doing it for a few months, they have no experience. But if they say they've been doing it for a few years, you have a chance to make your decision with somebody who has some ways of answering your questions. Every, if you go to get a new tire, don't be so cheap to think just because you got it for almost no money that the person who put the tire on knows what they're doing. 
So let's just say uh, in, in the engine of your car. Uh, you know, I've been in health education forever, and they always say, you know, the engine of your car, you take better care of the engine of your car than you do your your own organism of your body that makes you gives you life or death but anyway i'm sorry you're going on um i just wanted to remind everybody that's an everyday way to live <laughs> exactly and i'll i'll add to that and and i actually say this in my book that more people spend more time investigating their child's choice of a college education than they do their choices when they are diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, and I bet. that is something that has got to change because or looking for those Christmas and... presents or going on a vacation. Oh, or, exactly. Yeah, they're not spending enough time on our. I call it the Health Olympics. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right, Joni. Uh, we only have about three minutes left, and because I know you have to go. Uh, what is it uh, within the next three minutes that you'd like to everybody to really that some things to zero in on? Well, and N is network. I'll just tell you the N and when is network, and that is every single day. Uh, talk to people that mm-hmm. you come in contact with, whether you have cancer in your family or not. The odds are unfortunately bad that you might have it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. One of the main things that I would like your listeners to know is that the field of cancer is changing. It's changing in some good ways, and it's changing in some bad ways. For example, and I know that you know this and and love it, um, we are finding that the way that we live our life every day is very important once cancer treatment starts, and that is, you know, make sure that you eat the right foods and there's there's something I talk about all the time. I'm sure you're familiar with the Dirty Dozen list of fruits and vegetables that well, have pes- we have pesticides in our soil. And yeah, my medical have- team are all surgeons around the country and the world, and diet, a vegan diet has become a very big deal to them for a person who's diagnosed with anything to get clean out those arteries, get those pipes clean, and that vegan diet can do that. So you're right about diet. And, of course, drinking 8 to 10 glasses of fresh water, no added ingredients a day. And exercise and supplements. Moderate uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. We're all also finding uh, there's a lot of research in personalized health, and personalized mm-hmm. health is, is going to be very important for the future. Mm-hmm. What it says is that... Good for uh, you. That is right, Joni. That is right. And what it says, too, is that your tumor, whether, you know, there are a thousand people that have lung cancer tumors. Your tumor is different from every other cancer, um, lung cancer victim. Your tumor is different, and they're getting tissue samples of all this, and they're beginning to to make genetic paths and, and say, well, this chemotherapy that's available for lung cancer won't work in this patient because the tumor is wrong. It's different. Right. Um, one of the... I think we've lost Joni. Joni Aldrich, uh, what an exciting, uh, it's to learn that if you have a health problem and a family member or a friend or somebody who knows has a diagnosis of cancer, but I'll just say any other diagnosis of a, of a health problem you have to deal with. As we were learning on the show, and I have said it over and over again, you are the manager. You are in charge. Every doctor that I have on my team, and I have surgeons from all over the world that deal work with me and are on my medical team research, uh, very 
well-known, prestigious people, doctors. They want you to do that. They want you to be in charge. They want you to create uh, journals of your health. And so when you're working with them, you're assisting them. They cannot be your God. God is within each person, I believe. And you've got to turn to them with them to help you, but you've got to have a, a, a journal of what you're not eating, what you're eating, what you're uh, drinking water, enough water during the day, fresh water, no added ingredients, fresh water, pure water, how much you're drinking a day, how are you sleeping, are you going for getting any exercise, what's the exercise, uh, what, what, what is your lifestyle, uh, all about you. And then when you go to the doctor with a complaint or a symptom or whatever, you can, you're the manager, you're in charge. This is your life. This belongs to you. And it's like I've always said at the end of this show, it's your life, you need to embrace your life, but don't take anybody else with you. This is your life. So as you're learning how to live here on this earth, but I want you to know, the power of water is your whole life. If you don't take that serious, just throw everything out the door. And I never want to hear people say, well, I don't like the taste of it. I've always said, learn to like it. Your body is 50 trillion cells. And from the moment you were born and you entered in that delivery room, you're, you're, you've left the pocket of water and you're living in what's called humidity. And the moisture in the air is your moisture for life. If, if, you're, if you're dehydrated, it's moisture starvation. Men are 60 to 75% water. Women are 55 to 65% water. A brand new baby is 75% water. Your, your brain is 80% water. Your tears on the surface of your eye are 98% water. Your bones are 22% water. Your fluids are 75 to 98% water. Inside the cells of your body are two-thirds water. Outside the cell is one-third water. Your body is made up of 50 trillion cells of water. Water, water, water. And so always remember, if I am sounding very boring, it's to save your life. And on this show, every show, we say this could save your life. It's what we're teaching about what you're eating, how you're living your life. Every show has different ways to think about different directions to, to go. We are the reminder of what you probably already know, but to keep you reminded. And then maybe teach you some new things that, that are available that people are giving their time to come on our show and be special guests that remind us of things we need to learn to be healthier people on the planet Earth. I am saying it over and over again. There is no reason on the planet Earth not to be healthy. Those 6,000 children that are dying a day because they don't have any water, that is no excuse. There is no reason for on the planet Earth with all the technology and all we have available to not save those 6,000 children a day. And like Joni Aldridge said today, too, the disease cancer, I cannot believe that we still haven't got a hold, an anchor on how to, to deal with that disease. Way back in time, we conquered polio. We conquered many things that they're not even doing today. They're just patching it up. And it's, that's not excusable for me. I'm not going to accept that as an answer. I know everybody's working as hard as they can. It is so expensive. I know that's the big explanation it's expensive 
everything is so much money. Well, maybe we better do something and cut some budget someplace so we can afford to do what we need to do. Uh, I think we're out of time right now. And, oh, I've been told I still have two minutes. So I will take it. Do you know that the population in the United States, we're all living together, grew by 40,579 people here in the United States. The world grew last week by 1,494,472 people. That's, that's, for all of us to live on Earth, it's over 7 billion people to live on the planet Earth together. And we must learn the frustration shouldn't be the differences of our politics or our religion or our color or if you're male or female. I think that what we should be learning is the priority is the water. Earth would be nothing without water. So remember that water is the power of all life, the power of water. And you are a walking sponge. And you're walking on the planet Earth like you're part of the orbit. Have you ever noticed you're not flying in the air away? You're, you're walking on the planet Earth. Technology didn't do that for you. Something in the universe is doing that for you. You're here. You haven't flown away yet. So remember, if you're made up of water and the Earth is made up of water, and those mountains for protection and courage and wisdom are provided because of water. It's all water. The soil needs water. Aquifers below the ground are water. So always remember this. Embrace your life. It's your life. But also embrace somebody else's. And earth whispers to us every single day if you're willing to listen and be quiet. Listen carefully. Earth whispers. Don't say goodbye. Leave something of yourself behind. That's how special each person is to live on this planet. It's that special gift. I want to thank you for listening today. You be well. I hope you're having a nice day. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinerHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas.